Good morning. My name is Emily Boyd. Um, our scripture this morning comes from a couple of passages in Proverbs, so the words will be behind me on the screen, starting in Proverbs 25. Proverbs 25, 11 through 15 says, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. Like a gold ring or an ornament of gold is a wise reprover to a listening ear. Like the cold of snow in the time of harvest is a faithful messenger to those who send him. He refreshes the soul of his masters. Like clouds and wind without rain is a man who boasts of a gift he does not give. With patience, a ruler may be persuaded, and a soft tongue will break a bone. And then Proverbs 16, 24 says, Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. This is the word of God. Thank you very much for reading that powerful passage. And uh, thanks to Steve and Amber for being here today. Great to have you guys here with us. Let, let me pray for us one more time before we jump in here. Father, we do pray that now that by your Holy Spirit that our ears would be open, our minds would be open, our hearts would be ready to receive your word. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you that in the beginning there was the word and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Thank you that you are full of grace and truth, so we're asking that in this time we would have a great sense of both truth and grace. We trust you for this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. It's been a tough week for some. <clears throat> if you live in Maui, it's been a horrific week, right? Uh, what, what just painful things to watch this week if they had, they had just unfolded, something that happened so incredibly quickly starting on Tuesday. It's been interesting because as I have watched this week, um, and I've just pretty much watched pretty much just one news source, but I've been really impressed actually with the reporters because I think that there's kind of a tough thing. It's like you're trying to report the news, but you're also trying to show compassion at the same time. And I've thought, you know what, you know, actually I've been impressed just to watch them and the way that I just felt like they have demonstrated uh, that they're not just there to report, but they're there to actually feel for, for the people as well. Uh, yesterday, I was with Chris Russell. Wave Chris, he's right down here. And uh, we're, we're both interested in a basketball game in November that will take place in, in uh, Yamawi. And I made a little joke about the basketball game. And Chris, in that pastoral tone, looked at me and said, Jimmy, too soon. And you know what? It was probably too soon. Because it, it, it is a time to, to show compassion. It's interesting how words need to be the right words at the right time. You can have the right word at the wrong time. You can have the wrong word at always the wrong time. But it's interesting just to have, be able to have the right word at the right time. There is so much in Proverbs that speaks about the weight of words. Just the fact that we have to use words wisely. We have to know when to use words. We have to know how to use the right words. There are times to use no words, but there is so much there in Proverbs. So we've been in the midst of this little time to walk through Proverbs, and there is so much there. There is so much about social justice. There is so much about marriage. There's so much about communication, about friendship, about sex. We could go on and on, but today we're going to really just look at the power of words. It's interesting because Psalms is the place where you go 
if you've had a, just like an awful accident, and it's just a really hard time in your life, Psalms would be the place, it's like, you know, that's the place where you go to cry just on somebody's shoulder, and just to weep, and just to voice the fact that this is so painful, this is so difficult. Proverbs are like the smelling salts that wake you up a little bit. It's like the, you know, it's like, hey, you know, you're going to have to snap out of this. We're going to have to start to do things. Proverbs become, in many ways, just so much more practical. So today, we're going to walk through three things. We're going to speak about the endurance of words, the power of words, and the grace of words. So first of all, the endurance of words. We just read, I love that passage, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in these great settings of silver. A word fitly spoken, a word at the right time, the right time at the right place, the timing of our words. We can all recall times in which we might have heard truth, but we heard truth at the wrong time, and we did not receive it well. But how often do you have a thought about somebody, and you think, gosh, I feel so grateful for that person. I feel so grateful for that person for the way that they've helped me in life and that they've blessed me, and yet we don't take the time to just actually say it. And I would, gosh, I would just encourage you, if you feel like you have the right word and it's the right time, to just encourage somebody, to bless somebody, say it, text it, write it, call them. Those things can be incredibly powerful. There is a weight of words. There is a weight of words that we have to understand that they carry so much lasting power. Maybe the best example of this is in Genesis chapter 27. Because Jacob steals a blessing. He steals this blessing away from Esau because he tricks Isaac. And it's a story of when he dresses up like his brother and his dad thinks it's his brother, but he blesses him. And afterwards he finds out, oh, I blessed the wrong son. And there's a part of us that reads that story and we say, that feels so primitive. Because why don't you just call back and say, hey, you know what? Do over. You know what, I take back what I just said. I take back that blessing. Why, why can't he just say, hey, listen, I blessed actually Jacob. I thought, thought, you know, I thought that that was Esau, so it doesn't count. That story makes a massive assumption, which is so important for us. And it's this, that words have lasting power. Words have real, significant, lasting power. All of us have had words spoken to us all throughout our lifetime, that you might think, you know what, gosh, I was just a small child, or I was in college, or whenever it was, words that still have a major impact upon you. There might be offhanded comments to you that came, that are still there controlling you. Maybe at some point in your life, you heard, you know what, you're stupid. You're worthless. You make me miserable. I wish I wasn't your parent. I wish I would never have married you. I don't think you'll ever amount to anything. Pro Proverbs chapter 12 and ver verse 18 says, rash words are like sword thrusts. It's just rash words are like swords that just go in over and over and over. But the tongue of the wise can bring healing. Words become a part of you. I've talked with senior adults that are still controlled by words that they heard from their parents when they were small children. We can carry words and those sword thrusts with us our entire lives because words have lasting power. They have lasting meaning. 
But also we have to remember that because of that, blessing can have also lasting meaning. But we need to be so careful with our words. Proverbs 26 and verse 18, like a madman who throws firebrands and arrows in death is the man who deceives his neighbor and then says, I was only joking. We have to understand that words will carry power. Blessing carries power. The, the times in which you might see a blessing, you won't forget it. I was watching TV this past year, and I watched awards in which there was going to be people honored, and I thought, you know what, I just want to watch this, uh, because it was people that I admire. It was you 2 and Amy Grant, and I thought, gosh, this will be fun. But somebody else that was also there that night was, uh, was a George Clooney. And it was interesting because you had this time just to honor George, and there was a speech by Matt Damon and by his friends. And then something happened that I did not expect. And shortly after it happened, I was just in tears. His father spoke. And George's dad, just on national TV, blessed him. And I watched it you know, actually again last night. <laughs> I was just weeping. It's powerful. Because his dad just affirms George. And I don't care who you are or how much you have or how, you know, all of these things as far as fame. We all long for the blessing of our parents. And George's dad said, I've always been proud of him. I am proud of him. I always will be proud of him. It's words that everybody longs to hear. Our kids desperately need to hear from us, and not just nagging, they need to hear words of blessing. So often, kids that don't get anything from their parents interpret that, that they're just actually unworthy of attention. Something might be wrong with them, which can oftentimes set them on a path trying to find this approval. They need to have affirmation, they need to have praise, they need to have love, they need to have security. It needs to be there. A blessing just means that we choose words to affirm and encourage and empower a person to become who they were meant to be in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because if you've been blessed, you will never forget it. I mean, if you've really been blessed by somebody, it will stick with you the rest of your life. So I was on a mission trip years and years ago in Trinidad, and I was there with Sarah, who at the time I think was probably eight years old, and we're in this nursing home, and we're there just to spend time with the residents and we're talking with them, and we sing with them, and we read psalms with them, and it was just a really special time. And there's this older, older, older woman in the front row, and she, she, she might have been 90 years old, and at some point, she grabs Sarah, which I just thought, oh, what's happening here? But she just grabs Sarah, and then she proceeds to pronounce a blessing over Sarah, and I mean a powerful blessing. Little girl, I bless you. I pray God's grace upon your life. And she put her hand on her head and she, you know, and you could just see Sarah going, what's happening here? What, what's happening? But it was such a powerful moment in which this woman blessed Sarah. Sarah will probably not ever forget it because of the trauma of it, because she's being grabbed in Trinidad by somebody, but also because it was such a powerful moment with very powerful words. Words endure. They will last Speak them wisely. 
Be generous with your words. Find those people that you can bless this day. Teachers, coaches, mentors, friends, bosses. It's a long list. And take some time to extend them today a blessing. Use words in a powerful way to let them know that they're very, very much appreciated. And then there's the power of words. It's incredible, the power of words. And even one word can show tremendous kindness. I love to go throughout the scriptures and to read stories where you can find just one word that just is like, oh, that one word carries so much weight. And there are so many stories in scriptures that we could go through. I love Mark chapter 5 because you have this older woman. Not, I, I sh shouldn't say older. She, she's a woman who has bled for 12 years. And she's desperate to be healed. And so finally she thinks, if I can just even touch Jesus, if I can just touch him, I think that I will be healed. And so she finally works her way through the crowd. She, she's unclean. She's bled for 12 years. She touches Jesus. And Jesus immediately stops and says, who touched me? And after a while, she's just trembling. She's scared to death. She comes and she falls down at the feet, you know, feet of Jesus, fearing that there's going to be condemnation. And Jesus speaks one word that is one of the most powerful healing words. He says, daughter. He calls her daughter. That one word has affirmation and blessing. Paul was the one that before he came to Christ, he was Saul, and he massive amounts of persecution of all these Christians. And Christians were scared to death of Paul. And they hear these stories that Paul has come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and a lot of people did not believe it. And God speaks with Ananias and says, hey, I want you to go to this man Saul, and I want you to lay your hands on him because he's blind right now, and I want you to pray that he would be healed. And he's like, God, I don't think I'm the guy. I don't think I can go. I mean, this, this guy, Saul, he has murdered so many believers. And God says, go to him. And so many people are skeptical. And yet... This man finally obeys God, and he goes and he lays his hands on Paul, and he says these words carry so much weight. He says, brother Saul, calls him brother, one of the most powerful words in Scripture. If we can just find these, these, these words, these even one words. It's interesting because in Proverbs 25, 15, as we read, a patient, you can be actually really changed in all of these ways because a soft tongue will break a bone. A soft word, a soft tongue will break a bone. Just those words spoken in the right time. It's not just the right words, but it's also the tone of voice, right? Because the tone carries so much weight. I know this because I can speak to my dog, and if I can speak in a loving way and say, you're the worst dog in the world, and I despise you, and I hate you. And, the, you know, the dog will just respond in a very, very loving way. And if you scream, you know, I love you, you're the greatest, he's going to, you know, he's going to run and cower. It's amazing how the tone of our voice carries so much weight. Our tone really, really determines if our words will give life or if they will rob life. We must be very, very mindful of those things. Speaking a, just a soft word with a soft tone can make such a massive difference, especially in times of confrontation. And sometimes the most powerful words can be conveyed actually in silence, right? We have to learn to be comfortable with silence. 
So years ago, I was, I, 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 I was with some good uh, friends up in Chicago, and the mom got a call, and she found out that her friend had just gone through a very hard, hard tragedy, that her husband had passed away just real, just real, real fast, and she said, gosh, I have to go over there, and I just want to be with her. And so she goes over there with lots and lots of other friends. About two hours after that, she came home, and she was sobbing. And she says, I feel like such a fool because I went over there, and I did not know what to say. And there's all of these women, and they just had the right things to say. They were saying things just about, you know, the scriptures, and they were just words of comfort, and they read Romans 8, 28, and they were doing all of these things, and I did not know what to say. All I could do was just weep with her, and I feel like such a fool because it's like, God, give me something to say. Give me some words, and she just said, I am so discouraged. That was one of the most humiliating times in my entire life. Just after that, the phone rang, and it was her friend saying, would you come back over to my house? Because I felt like you were the only one that really entered into my pain. And she hadn't said one word. Sometimes the best thing that we can do is absolutely be silent and be quiet. Silence needs to also apply to the way that we think about social media, right? We don't have to comment on everything. And we all know those friends when you just want to just say, listen, you don't have to have an opinion about everything in the world. There's times where it's best if you think, gosh, I really want to comment on social media. I really want to tweet this or do whatever this. It's best oftentimes just to, just to take time and be quiet. One of my goals in my life has been to learn to be a bit more quiet. I know that that might be a shock. So I went about uh, three, 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 three or so weeks ago uh, on a really, um, just a really, really strong retreat. It was, a, it was a very, very strong retreat because it was a retreat of silence where I'm with 80 other men who aren't saying a word to each other. And uh, it's, it's awkward in one sense because you have meals together, and in the midst of meals, you don't say one word. And uh, there are times in which you just are like, oh, I see what you, you have on a Jayhawk shirt. And I want, I'm a Jayhawk, but I can't say anything. I just have to be quiet. But it was four days of silence. And four days of being completely Silent also means four days of a lot more just listening to the Lord and I'm trying to understand what he has to say to me. But it was such a powerful time. And it was good to know the world goes on. I'm quiet for four days and the world goes on just fine. We need to have more times of being just quiet and alone. And I think that those are extremely important. It's interesting because Proverbs is put together by Solomon. And there's other books where he also writes a lot more things about these things. And there's other really strong Proverbs that aren't in the book of Proverbs. There's lots and lots of Ecclesiastes verses that are Proverbs. And it's interesting because if the Bible is a party, then really Ecclesiastes is like the party pooper. I mean, because it's just, I mean, it's like, wow, this is a painful book at times. But there is so much in Ecclesiastes that speaks about this because he starts off with a very, very, uh, very, very start, chapter one, verse three, he says this. For 
with a dream comes much business. With a fool's voice comes many words. And then chapter 5 and verse 1. Guard your steps when you go into the house of God. Because it's best to go near to listen than to offer the sacrifice of fools. For they don't even know that they're doing these things that are evil. Do not be rash with your mouth. Nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. And then this powerful proverb. For a dream comes with much business, once again, and a fool's voice with many words. It's just repeated. So powerful. Then there is the grace of words. The grace of words. You see, there is so much that tells us about grace in Proverbs. Chapter 16, verse 24. Gracious words are like a, just, you know, that they're just like a honeycomb. Sweetness to the soul and health to the body. We all long for our words to be characterized by grace. Extravagant grace. Grace is the most transformational word in the entire Bible. It's interesting because I think that there are people, though, that still have a fear of words, and they really don't completely understand grace, and they begin to think, um, I'm really not sure how I can have real strong confidence that God is for me. I'm, I'm sure that I've prayed. I'm sure that I prayed the right thing, um, but I don't know. Did I say exactly the right thing? And the thing that you need to hear this day is that you, Jesus is so tender and so merciful and so kind that he knows your heart and he responds to the deepest longings of your heart. If you long for Jesus, if you desire Jesus, he knows your heart. I think that that is such a strong prayer. It's like, Lord, um, I don't know exactly what to say, but forgive me, help me, and let me be more and more like you. You see, practically in words, how do you explain to somebody your words are okay? Uh, God, God cares for you. God loves you. Let me try to give you a word that I believe is actually enduring. It's powerful and it's a grace filled word. Let me try to answer a question that I have been asked by more and more people just all throughout my life. And it's this, how can I be absolutely certain that God loves me? Why does God love me? Why would God love someone like me? And I promise you that in all of my work and my time in Scripture, this is the deepest truth I know in all of Scripture. So I would really, really encourage you, write this down because this will be rich. Why does God love you? Here's the answer. Just because he does. That's the greatest theological truth that I know. God loves you just because he does. You're thinking, is, is that in the Bible? De 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 Deuteronomy 7 of verse 7, it says this. The Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were the most numerous, for you were actually the smallest of all the people. But it was because the Lord loved you. Now listen to the logic of that passage. 
It's not because you were the biggest, not because you were the strongest, not because of all these things. The Lord chose you because the Lord loves you. And some of you start to say, well, that doesn't make sense because that's actually really circular reasoning. And if you start to say that, you can't just say, well, I love you because I love you because I love you because after a while, that's just not going to make any sense. But that's the only way that love makes sense. That's the absolute only way that we can understand love if, if we understand it in that context. Let me just illustrate this. And once again, I'll go back to Chris Russell. Let's say that Chris has a day where he feels insecure. And he goes and he speaks with, with his wife, Allison, and says, sweetheart, I just need you to just affirm your love for me. Tell me, sweetheart, why, why do you love me? And let's say that Allison says, oh, Chris, why, why do I love you? I love you because because you're incredibly handsome. I love you because of how much you make at your, your place of work. I love you because of that amazing six-pack thing that you have going. I love you because of your golf game. I mean, you're, you're just incredible. How does that make Chris feel? Incredibly insecure, right? He thinks, what's going to happen when, when I start to age? What happens if my six-pack turns into a keg? What happens if my golf game goes downhill what happens if I lose my hair, if I lose my job, you know, whatever it might be. He, he feels unbelievably insecure. What, what does he long to hear? Chris longs to hear his wife say, sweetheart, originally your looks and your drive might have attracted me. Those were originally the occasion for my love, but they're no longer the cause of my love. Because now I know you. Now I know everything about you. I know your weaknesses. I know your strengths. I know all of these different things. And now I can say that I love every part of you. Sweetheart, I love you just because I love you. If you think God loves you because you're doing the right things, if you think God loves you because, gosh, I'm trying to spend time every day in the Word of God, and I'm trying to come to church faithfully, I'm trying to be in a small group, I try to give, I want to be generous. If you're thinking that that's why God loves you, then you will never fully love a God that you think loves you for those reasons. You'll never fully love God because you're always going to think, well, you know what, I'm going to have these conditions because I think God has all of these conditions upon me, so I'm going to put all of these conditions upon God. God, if you protect me from, um, from cancer, if you protect me from any big accidents in life, if you protect me from unemployment, if you protect me from divorce. And when we begin to have that way that we think, think about God, we aren't loving God, we're just merchandising each other. Because you will never love a God who you think only loves you because you do these things. But if you understand that God loves you just because he loves you, that's life-changing. And that allows us to go through these different times in life and think, gosh, this is a painful time. This is a hard time. But that is the word that God speaks to you today. The word that God has for you today is you can know with great certainty that God loves you absolutely just because he loves you. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away, Jesus says in Mark chapter 13. Jesus is here. Jesus is for us. Jesus wants us to use our words well. Words have tremendous weight. 
And I pray that the Lord would be able to slow us down just a little bit more this week to use our words wisely and carefully to bless, to encourage, to build up, to affirm, and above all things, to let people know God loves them just because he does. And that's why we can come and joyfully have this Lord's Supper. That's how, that, that's how we can celebrate. Because as we come, the question is not, are you like Jesus? The question is, do, do you want to be like Jesus? The question is, are you trusting him? This meal is for believers. It's for those who have trusted the Lord. It's not for anybody who's perfect. Not, not, you know, we don't have everything together. But our hearts want to be more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ. This morning, if you're struggling, if there's anything that you want to just process, if you're thinking, well, I, I think that I understand that God loves me, but those are words that I've struggled with my entire life. We, we have a prayer team that, we, that will be back in the back, back there by the donuts and like the couches back there. They would love to talk with you and to just pray with you and just to walk with you as you might be trying to process some things in life. So we will come, we will take the bread and the cup, and the bread is that great picture of Christ's body broken for you. That is the word. Jesus Christ is the word. And so as we take these, the, this time just to process this, may we just know this is the ultimate word. This is the ultimate word which will never pass away. This is the word of God that gives me life itself. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you amazingly love us, that you care for us, um, not because of all of these things that we do. Father, it's your story that has saved us. It's not our obedience. It's your story. It's what you have done for us. Father, we want to be, be obedient. We want to walk in your way. But Father, we thank you that the thing that brings us life is the actions of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is what he has done for us. So Father, may this day, may we always remember that you love us just because you do. And Father, may we use these types of words. May we use blessing and just take time to extend care and encouragement and blessing to those around us this day. So thank you for these elements, for this time together to celebrate, to celebrate the Lord's Supper. May it truly be a time of great celebration for your glory. We give you thanks and praise in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.